Keep pounding isn't just a slogan, it's a way of life. Ice up, son. Ice up. They want to be the very best that they can be in everything that they do. I think when you have that mentality in the locker room, you can be special. When you have it with your coaching staff, you can be really good. And when it starts with your owner and it starts with your GM, you can be memorable. If I'm moving someplace and we're doing this in Carolina, the first thing I care about is winning. The second thing I care about is winning. And the third thing I care about is you guys are smart. So you, you win a lot of ways. And I don't like to lose it anyway. Welcome back to another episode of the 704 Cast. Joining me, as always, is Wes and Corey. Uh, we are now recording this the week after the NFL draft. It's now come and gone. Uh, we made a lot of moves. We were busy. Scott Fitterow is working the phones. Um, guys did a heck of a job this week. Um, honestly, for me, probably the coming out of this uh, past draft um, is the best that I felt after any recent drafts, at least as far as recent memory goes, as far as the overall, like how pleased I am with the process. Uh, guys, I know we've talked a lot already about uh, the move that we made last Thursday night taking J.C. Horn, but let's uh, talk a little bit more about uh, really rounds two through seven, those guys. Um, but just kind of start talking with uh, Terrace Marshall's, I guess, guy. That's who we picked in the second round. Just kind of give your thoughts on him, and we'll kind of work our way down the board. Yeah, so the first thing, I'll, I like, I want to just touch on the process, Okay. Um, and just a little like shameless plug for the 704 cast in our process. Um, I think we called 15 of the first 17 prospects off the board, including my own, uh, one of my favorite prospects in the draft, Alex Leatherwood, surprisingly going to the Raiders at 17. Um, I hate to say I was right, but I was right. Um, I'm not sure I'm thrilled with the staff that chose him, the staff that I'm aligned with that, pick him or Mayock and Gruden, but um, I was pretty, pretty, I uh, felt validated um, in my assessment of Leatherwood that he was in fact a first round talent, but I could just, you know, I mean, I hate to, I hate to toot our own horn, but I mean, we just, we kind of nailed, nailed a lot of these prospects and a lot of the directions that um, ended up going in. So I'm pretty proud of, of this team and, and, and what we accomplished pre-draft. So, you know, congrats guys to us. But um, getting in the process of the Panthers, um, I, day two, man, I felt like I needed a, a cigarette after that. I mean, that was just a lot of fun, uh, <laughs> a lot of fun. Uh, I think in the moment I was kind of upset with, with how far we traded back. But once I saw the assets that we gained um, trading back and the way the board fell, I just I think it's so refreshing to have a a front office who places value in assets that are later round picks and next year's picks. Okay, that fourth we snagged from Houston was valued at a second this year. That fourth next year that we took from Houston, we friggin' fleeced Houston on was valued at a second round pick this year. You can't you can't really 
begin to to measure the the value of what a pick next year is going to be when they have a combine to go to when when you hope that you can actually go see these players and put their hands on players during the scouting process and, and during the build up to the draft. So getting pick getting a pick next year was huge. Um, and then the picks that we got this year, I mean, we averaged six point two five picks coming into this year uh, as an overall draft. Okay. And I love what Scott Fitter said, where, you know, if you limit yourself to six or seven picks in a draft, then you kind of have to be perfect. And you kind of have to hit on all six or seven of those to make a significant contribution. We ended up with 11 draft picks. That's the most that we've had since 1995. Okay. That's 11 new faces coming into this organization, 11 new players who are going to provide competition for backups are going to provide competition for starters are going to push those starters that might have gotten a little bit complacent um you know in past regimes these starters didn't have to worry about their jobs because they were vets you know i'm not bagging on ron rivera i know i get labeled as a ron rivera hater i I like ron um but that was always frustrating to me it's like once you establish yourself as a vet on his team it was really hard to usurp that starter simply because they're a vet and i don't think that's how championship teams are made. I think competition brings out the best in people. And when you bring in these young cats trying to make a name for themselves, um, I don't care if they're drafted in the fourth round. I don't care if they're drafted in the fifth round. Let's bring a new face in here with his head on fire who's going to compete day in and day out just to make the damn roster and push some of these dudes. Maybe you start getting, you know, Maybe Greg Little, you know, you start getting better at more out of Greg Little on a day-to-day basis because he's suddenly got somebody breathing down his freaking neck and he can't just rest on his laurels or be in a second-round draft pick. You know, maybe you get the best more more out of like a Trent Scott or a, um, you know, John Miller. You know, you've got two freaking Jessies behind them now who are going to be pushing them day in and day out to get the better. So I think when you trade back like that, when you, when you, when you gather these picks and I heard, I saw so many people on Twitter saying like, Oh, we've got, you know, four, six rounders, blah, blah, blah. It's not about what round they're drafted in. It's about creating competition and creating a hunger to prove yourself on the team. And, you know, iron sharpens iron, man. And when you've got, steady competition day in and day out, and you have to be on your A game every single day. That's what wins championships. And that's the culture that's in Seattle. And that's that culture that creates what we are trying to create here in Carolina. And I applaud this front office. I applaud Scott Fitterer. I applaud Matt Rule for the work they did um, in attributing these assets. And man, I love this process. You may not be happy. Uh, they may not have picked everybody I wanted them to pick. They may not have you know, picked who you wanted to pick in listening. But just be excited about the process and be excited about what this is going to facilitate and create in those dog days of training camp down in Spartanburg. Well, there's going to be some wars, man. There's going to be some battles. So I loved it. I loved what this team did. Yeah, the, uh, the the big thing about that is, you know, it's nice to see a front office take multiple stabs at, at players and positions. Um, just like they said, going into this, you know, you only have seven picks to kind of throw darts out there to, to, to find players to fill holes or find players that you need on your team and, and create roles for them. Um, but if you can move back and, and require more assets and take, you know, 10 to 11 shots at a position or at a player um, versus those six and seven, you're doubling your chance of success. And it's nice to see the front office uh, and Scott Fitterer bring that mentality over from Seattle. Uh, and I think the way that he worked the board 
um, the second and third days were, were just pretty uh, amazing um, to see like how they got creative, regardless of, you know, what players may have been there at the time. Um, I think, you know, I may not have always been happy with how far they moved back, but they didn't take themselves out of the range to get the players that they had targeted on the board. And I know that was a big thing Fitter kept talking that came out of the, uh, the draft room is that um, just trust the board, trust the process, um, trust the scouting that you've done in preparation for this, no matter when you start to see, you know, targets start to, to fall off the board. Um, so that was just a big thing for me, just seeing that and actually seeing how engaged and active we were on, on the uh, second and third days of the draft was uh, a breath of fresh air. So I, I'm happy about that for sure. Um, Wes, what are your thoughts on, uh, on everything. Yeah. Um, so I think I saw one, one big writer say that, that he sees a draft successful when you have, when you come out of it with three or four, three or four starters. And, and when you've got six or seven picks, you're looking at having to hit on 80% of your picks, but when you can, can come out of a draft with 11 picks, I mean, the odds of you having three or four starters come out of that three or four long-term starters, you, you, you have to hit on under 50% of your picks at that point. And it's just darts at a dartboard. And if, if you trust the scouting department, if you trust Fitterer, if you trust their board and their process, it's yes, it's a little upsetting that they passed on certain guys that they traded back a little too far. And, and you saw some guys go a pick, two picks, three picks, four picks, but right before it got to us that we were hoping would fall, even though we, we traded back as a whole, it's, it's, would you rather have that, them have taken that guy uh, 15 picks earlier or would you rather the guy they got 15 picks later plus the assets they also added and and then that's how you have to look at it um and as a whole the assets just outweigh specific guys that I was thinking about in the second third fourth rounds um like some of the tackles that that you guys probably expected to be a target there in in the second round I'll, I'll take Christensen and and Marshall over whatever tackle we were going to get and whatever weapon we were going to get in the third. That, that, that's, that's how I'll look at that. I'll take that combo all day long. So. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the draft, I mean, you, you hear all these talking heads and you hear these people on Twitter that I like to, I like to engage with and I like to get everyone's opinion on certain things, but at the end of the day, this isn't an exact science. Okay. We can only watch so much film on a player that we have available to us. Okay. The second, third, the second, maybe not so much the second, but the third, fourth, into the fifth and sixth rounds, you're you're taking a kid based on upside, okay? You're getting kids that are probably athletic but have issues off the field or have medical red flags that a lot of the times we're not privy to, okay? Like, I'm not even going to take a stab at pronouncing his name, but the Notre Dame linebacker. You know, I don't think the general public had any clue about his heart issue before the draft night or even a- – sorry, after the draft night, okay? So that's why you see guys like that start to fall, okay? We don't have access to those medical records. We don't have access to a lot of the, like, level of, like, private investigative research that these teams do on these players. So, you know, I know you're screaming – I know I saw people screaming for people, but, you know – at this point, I'm going to trust the front office's evaluation on these prospects more so than I trust some talking head or even more so than my own eyes on a player. It, you know, And you take those players with – that is one thing that was the common theme of the draft that I absolutely loved was high athletic scores, high athletic testing. I mean, 
I think everybody but Deontay Brown was off the charts on the RAS measurables. And that's a big, big, big change from a previous regime. You don't have a Rashawn Golden out there who, you know, there's probably kids out here in middle school running faster than he was in, in a 40. So, you know, I, and, and I think athletes have a, you know, explosive athletes already have a leg up because you, you can't coach athleticism. You know, you can coach a player, you can teach him how to run a, a dig. You can teach him, you know, how to, you know, shuffle out of a, a route combination. You can't teach being an athlete. Okay. So that's just ingrained in you. And when you take athletes like that, it allows you to put the onus on your coaching staff to teach them up, coach them up and hopefully get the best out of them. And, and that's what the third, fourth round, fifth round into the sixth round is about, man. It's about taking a shot on a kid, betting on him that may not have, you know, that's what a fourth round draft pick is. It's high athletic might have some issues like Davian Nixon. Okay. I saw the Emory Hunt, who used to post on the huddle all the time. I like his draft analysis. Uh, he had him labeled as his number one three technique in the draft. But some mysterious off the field issue from his dorm room a couple years ago, and suddenly he's in the fifth round. So it's the draft, man. Crazy in exact science, but man, I love it every year. Yeah. And what you mentioned is this is something that uh, the old regime probably would have never taken chances on these kids. And I get why there's, there's that pause uh, going into this process because, you, you know, you should have all the information. Um, but, you know, we all make mistakes at a young age. And if, you know, those mistakes aren't, you know, anything too crazy, then, you know, move on, get past it and hope the person has grown. Um, and at that point in the draft, you only have, a, you know, a fifth or sixth round invested in somebody, you know, take that chance. Um, because the the payoff is going to be much bigger than you you know cutting a, a six rounder, which we've done in years past um, before even making it to training camp. Right. So n- no big deal there. I'm very pleased um, with them focusing more on getting athletes in here um, and guys who test well and have the film to back that up. Even if they have you know a couple red flags in their past, you know let's try to try to move on and 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 move forward with these guys. Um, you know just to talk about us as a group, we. Uh, nailed, like you said, Corey, 15 out of the first uh, 18 picks, the three that we missed were um, guys with medical issues um, that we had no knowledge of. You were right on the Leatherwood pick as well. Um, you know, as far as we go and focus on all the Panthers, we talked about JC uh, very in depth. Um, we mentioned Brady Christensen, I believe, in the second episode that we did um, when we talked about uh, a little bit about BYU and Zach Wilson. Um, you know, so I think Overall, you know, I think we did we did very well as a group. Um, and even a few days prior to the draft, I started diving in some David Moore film. And then he turns out to be a guy that we signed as an undrafted free agent um, after the draft um, with a pretty substantial guarantee. I believe it was like 110000 So it's not somebody you're just going to waive. Um, it's at least somebody who, even if they don't, you know, make the roster, they'll be on the practice squad. Um, yeah, I saw, I saw that somebody said it's basically like a preferred undrafted free agent. It's what they it's what they called him or or something along those lines. Yeah, um, but I saw that he had a fourth round grade by some um, you know draft people going into this. So you know if that pans out, where you just basically got a fourth round prospect for you know um, hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. I think we did pretty well. And it, it, what you were talking about, Corey, I, I think that the some of the Panthers may have had either a second or a third round grade on Nixon. Um, 
Yeah. I, I know that they said that everybody they drafted from the fifth on, they had third and fourth round grades on. Um, so I'm sure that includes Deontay and uh, Davian um, and they're in the fifth and the sixth. Um, but I know we started off with Terrace Marshall. You guys have any thoughts with, with him? And then we'll kind of work our way down the board. Um, just kind of go through this pretty quick. Yeah, I'll start with Terrace. So one thing that really, really intrigued me by him, I saw a stat that he led the NCAA in QBR on his targets. It was like almost perfect. So that was that was pretty interesting. That's impressive me. with how bad their quarterback play was this past year. Yeah, it was the year before, but I, I can't remember exactly what the number was, but it was it was impressive. Um, I mean, I think he's a first round talent uh, that that also slid a little bit on some injury concerns. He said he's all good on those injuries. The the the, the staff says he's all good on that. Um, but to me, the the most telling thing is his former offensive coordinator is our form is our offensive coordinator. So, so that, that tells me all I need to know right there. Um, that guy's seen him play day in and day out. So. Yeah. They, they had supposedly the majority of NFL teams had a first round grade on him. Yeah. That, that's what I saw too. And, and from what I, from what I was seeing, no one said specifically, but from what I was seeing on the Panthers writers that, that we did as well. Yeah. And, and his slide was due to, uh, was it, an, an ankle thing i think it was a knee issue knee? okay um i knew it was something lower leg so i mean that's always a little scary with with your your speedy receiver types it's you, you want to be careful with that but uh apparently he was cleared so uh i love the pick i think with losing curtis they they signed david moore the not the guard the other the receiver david moore <laughs> as as a, a slot replacement he's he's okay uh, but this really, truly gives us three great weapons at receiver. Um, so I love the move. Yeah. Um, you're talking about, let's look at his measurables. Okay. The kid's 6'3", uh, just over 200 pounds, and he ran a 4'4", 40. So, I mean, big, fast. Um, I mean, he's, I think, Yeah. He's not probably girthier than DJ, but uh, he's definitely taller than DJ. Um, big red zone presence. One of the biggest highlights uh, coming from him was contest, contested catches. Um, and, you know, when we're down there in the red zone, uh, we need someone who can go up and get the ball. Um, that's big. I mean, that was something that was missing from this offense for a while. And, you know, he scored 13 touchdowns on an offense with Justin Jefferson and um, – Jamar Chase. Uh, Jamar Chase. So, I mean, you know, he, he's still getting 13 touchdowns on an offense with Justin Jefferson, who, you know, could have been rookie of the year, and Jamar Chase, who was a top five pick this year. So, you know, the kids was productive um, in that offense. And, of course, that was an historically great offense. So, you can take with that what you will. But it's still 13 touchdowns he's still producing um, with talent around him. So, um, I'm excited for what it brings, um, especially, like you said, losing Curtis uh, and now as a third option behind RA, behind DJ. Um, it's just another another tool for, for Joe Brady uh, to use uh, to move around and, uh, and get into space and a, a big time red zone presence that we've been missing. You know, you throw those fade routes to him. Um, he's shown, I, I watched just a couple highlights. 
Uh, and man, he's going up and getting the ball. He's wrestling it away from defenders. And, and from whatever, from what, all the reports I've read, too, is extremely high character guy, too. I mean, there was that report that came out. He was like picking up the towels for the equipment staff in the locker room so they didn't have to do it, you know, carrying people's shoulder pads and stuff like that. And you know, that's not something typical of a 18, 19, 20 year old kid who's at big time college football program. So love the pick. Um, I was pleasantly surprised about the pick. Um, I thought I'd hate us not going tackle in the second round, but, you know, getting, like you said, Matt, you hit the nail on the head there. I think that was a first round talent from every analyst I've heard. That's that was a first round talent that fell because of injury concerns. So good pick. Yeah. Like you said, six, three, go up and get the ball. I mean, what he can do in the red zone, um, his route running ability stood out to me, but the red zone, is going to be his red zone usage and how Brady gets creative in the red zone this season is some things that I'm going to be looking for because if you just for an example if you put DJ Robbie Terrace Dan Arnold McCaffrey That's... and you could even throw Trimble Reggie in the backfield I mean Chuba Hubbard is there a lot of different options if you give Sam Sam some time in the red zone it's going to be fun to watch down there. So those are some things that I, I'm really excited going into this this season. Uh, but Terrace, what the more film you watch on this kid, uh, the only guy else that I mean, the second that I would have been fine with was Rondell Moore from Purdue. Uh, but Tutu Atwell, guys went before him that that shouldn't have, and it's just be just the you know the way the draft goes with injury concerns and and how things shake out. You know, somebody's you know always going to fall. But I, I'm very excited about this pick. We spent uh, a pick here to replace Curtis and upgrade a position that we still needed some some help with uh, and getting Sam weapons some things that he didn't have in New York so I'm very pleased about this um so that's my thoughts on Terrace there um, but when the third round we we angled more towards the offensive line and we took Brady Christensen out of uh, BYU guy allowed well, I think two pressures last year only two who talked about Christensen on yeah. a previous podcast? <laughs> I mean, we, we all we, did. We yeah, all did. We all dove into this. Um, so I think we can probably skip that. I mean, great value. Like him in the third. Uh, I, I, I just I, want to say that um, it came out after the draft, and I didn't even realize it when we talked about him um, on the podcast. But PFF, take for it what you will. Yeah, um, I saw PFF, that too. PFF graded him. He's the highest graded offensive lineman in 2020. Ever. No, the, the, the highest grade PFFs ever given to a college lineman, 96, is what I saw. And his RAS is off the charts, too. Yeah, I think he fell for arm length. And... Yeah, the, the, the knock that basically everyone said was just he's stubby. Like, just as a whole, not, not just arm length, but just as a whole, he may struggle with NFL speed rushers because of the lack of length. Gotcha. Well... He's got the he's athletic enough. I think the head what he's gonna you know have to deal with the bull rushes and having the hands in his chest. But I think he's more he's athletic enough where he can make some adjustments and he's strong enough to be able to hold it. That's really my only concern. He's he's a great pass blocker. Yeah, that um, was his strength. Yeah, and he says that he's an elite pass blocker as well. So if he can improve in the run game, I mean, we may have found found uh, the future left tackle for you know some time moving forward. Sure. He's yeah, I mean he's. Going to be 25, I think, before the start of the season. So that's another thing that was against him. But I mean, shit, man, give me a, a give me 10 years of a solid pro uh, yep. on the left side, and I'm fine. I'm and I watched 
I watched him completely dominate the um, Bucks. All right, yeah, it was the Horton. Here's a who. Bucks first round pick. Well, that kid from Washington, the defensive end. And I was like, what? Yeah, I know. I know the name. I can't think of it, but it's, yeah, yeah, something Horton. It's Tyler Horton. So, yeah, he completely demolished him in their game versus Washington. So, good stuff. Uh, then the third round again, we took Tommy Trimble out of Notre Dame, and that was a shock. Yeah, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I will admittedly say that I don't know a lot about the kids. So if you guys have done on him, I'll, I'll let you guys take this. But I, I know that he is once again very athletic, uh, has high upside as a pass catcher, uh, and plays very physical and ferocious. Those that's what I know of him going into it. Uh, I'll let you guys take away on the rest and, and tell me a little bit more. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I mean, and this was go ahead, Corey. Go ahead, Bryce. You can. All right. I, I was just gonna say that, uh, from, from everything that I saw, read, and a little bit of watching, uh, he's a gritty, tough blocker, and that that's I think that's the one of the big things that, that they want out of him. Uh, the pass catching is raw, I think that there is potential there. I think there's some upside there for him to get a lot better. I think I really like the pick. He's definitely a very Matt Rule type of player. The, the quote that he gave as soon as he was drafted, it was it made me want to run through a brick wall. It was like I, I instantly love that guy for that quote. Um, it, basically talking about how he's going to work harder and he said he wanted to be the 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 most versatile and most violent player on the yeah. field at all times. Yeah, that violent is just a that's a word you want to hear from from your your primary primarily blocking tight end. And I mean, when you think of a violent blocking tight end, who's who's the first one that comes to mind in the NFL? It's, it, to me, it's George Kittle, just watching him just pancake right. people and laugh about it. And so I, I'm not saying he's George George Kittle as a pass catcher, pass catcher by any means, um, but he does have the pass catch ability. He's got the athletic ability. Um, and I think he can be a really good – tandem with Dan Arnold out there and then I just Ian Thomas watch out for your job yeah again you talk about athleticism I mean that RAS score we keep chirping about he was like number 19 out of like a thousand some tight ends since 1980 uh, on these RAS score so uh, go and train fitter and rule that RAS score and I like what you said there about being a raw as a pass catcher and Panthers fans, I want you to think like Ian Thomas raw, as in, you know, Ian Thomas had only played a few years of organized football before he came. Um, raw in the fact that Notre Dame just didn't really throw or design throws to be thrown to Tommy Trimble. He was clear cut, the blocking tied in there. Um, so, you take that athletic upside, and when he was on the ball, I thought he did show an ability to to really catch the ball, you know. So um, we'll see how it goes at camp. I'm not going to predict anything about that aspect of his game yet because I just haven't seen enough um, either on the tape I've watched or vice versa to really make a, a, a like a, a prediction on that. But I do think that, again, being an athlete, um, having that high athletic score – that it's something that he can be coached up on on route running. Um, but I see this as a pure, like, H-back. I don't even want you to think, like, 
tight end in your mind. He's an H-back, okay? He's going to get moved around. Um, you're going to see him off the off the line right there behind the tackle, split out, um, you know, coming down hard on those wham blocks um, and just killing people. And, you know, out in front of Christian, um, you know, and I do look for him to make the most of his opportunities. I can't wait to see him, like, catch a pass. It's like, oh, I caught a pass. I'm going to, like, just make someone hurt. <laughs> Yeah, when I catch this, so yeah, I look I look forward to that uh, aspect of his game, and 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 again, you know, you talk about these these mid round prospects, you you have to be patient, okay? You can't expect him to come out there and be George Kittle on his first year, and I think that's where fans a lot of times, maybe casual fans, they they fall into the trap of thinking like you know they've got to produce day one, okay? You know, time take people take time to develop sometimes. Okay. Like George Kittle wasn't the George Kittle that we think about straight out of Iowa. Okay. It took him time to develop. It took him time to come around the NFL game. And the one thing, you know, that I can say about Trimble is that at least I know that he's going to work his ass off. And I know that he's going to hit some people in the mouth while he's developing the finer points of playing the NFL game, the route running, the, you know, catching passes in space and that type of thing. So, um, again, like you said, Matt will pick. And when the pick was made, I, I, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I was like, who? And then like, I really dove into it um, because I was really curious about this kid. I really dove into it. Um, and I think I came away as being one of my favorite picks in this class, um, you know, based on the the analysis that, you know, way smarter people than me have given. Um, I mean, Daniel Jer- – we get that George Kittle comparison. Daniel Jeremiah live on the NFL coverage was like he projects – or he doesn't project, but coming out of Iowa, this was George Kittle. And that's what Daniel Jeremiah said. So, you know, it's not unfounded that you're calling him, you know, George Kittle. But, you know, I'm just saying to Panthers fans, don't expect him to be George Kittle day one. Give him some time to develop, and, and we'll see what happens two, three years down the road. Yep. And I like what you said too about the the H back thing. And and then think about how the, the 49ers, same team as Kittle use uh use juice tech or yeah. however you pronounce his name. Juice check, yeah. They 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 move him around that formation. His hands rarely in the dirt. He's he's a fullback, he's an H back, he um is right there off 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 of the tight end, off of the guard or off of the tackles. He's they're motioning him across. I think you're gonna see that with Trimble. He's just gonna be all over the formation and It'll be interesting to see how Brady uses him, but I, I think there's definitely a lot of upside. Oh, yeah, give me all the guys that have the upside instead of these guys who are finished products coming out of college where their ceilings are much lower. When you're getting, you just range, got a gut feeling on. I just got a gut feeling on. <laughs> right, that like like Notre Dame's other tight end, their their pass catching tight end, like his ceiling is known. Right. So it's 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 just he is what he is. He was a mediocre speed bigger tight end that catch catches a few balls a game for eight yards ten yards a pop at worst this guy comes in and replaces alex varma you know in that role as a, as a rookie i mean what's the i mean we did sign a, a fullback in you know after the draft but i'm just saying that how this guy can be used with what you guys have said in that use check role um but speaking of backfield our fourth round pick was Chuba Hubbard, um, you know, he got hurt this past season, so he didn't have um, 
that big of a year. The year before, he led the nation in rushing. He had over 2,000 uh, yards on the season. He had over 20 touchdowns on the season. Averaged 6.4 yards per carry in the Big 12. Um, wasn't really involved in the passing game. Oklahoma State just doesn't uh, utilize it that much out of the backfield. But this is a guy who torched Matt Rule in the Big 12, so you have to have to take that into consideration. And that's something he mentioned in, in the call and during the process um, you know, about Chuba. Uh, his wife texted him and said, you better, you better pick Chuba. Uh, and I think I was like 10 picks away. But they almost took him uh, with the, their original pick in the fourth round and then traded back and still got him there. So it, it worked out in our favor. And that's where trusting the, uh, the board and trusting the scouting paid off. You know, you took a gamble. Somebody could have came up and got him. But this is a guy who can definitely split time with McCaffrey and allow him to come off the field. It's that way he's not playing 99% of the snaps, 100% of the snaps. Um, he cannot sustain that. This also allows him to be uh, split out out wide more. Um, you know, with Reggie and him, you know, in the backfield, uh, playing behind Christian, uh, you know, running back depth is not really a concern right now as long as these guys stay healthy. And I think if you do want another pass catcher out of the backfield, that's Reggie's specialty. So, um, guys, talk a little bit about what you think on the running back pick and, and how you see this going. Yeah, again, just another – I wasn't upset by it. I was just shocked. I was like, man, it came out of nowhere. Like, I, I, I didn't expect didn't expect it to happen. I expected that they were going to address a backup running back at some point in this offseason losing Mike Davis. Um but I think you saw the value of having uh, uh, someone behind Christian McCaffrey last year um, when he goes down, because any of these guys can go down in a split second, and then you're you're onto the backup. And hey, and, I, and, yeah. and keep in mind, you know, James Robinson won well, could have won Offensive Rookie of the Year this past uh, year, and he was an undrafted free agent that just rushed for over a thousand yards. So, you know, you you never know, like you said, Corey, with the with the injury concerns that we yeah. just had to go through this year, that's that's something that we have to have and having that talent back there like this guy. Uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I know everybody was expecting, you know, like big things and his year last year at Oklahoma State because I think he was, you know, a preseason on the Heisman watch and all that good stuff. And he didn't have the year he had prior. Um, but there was a lot of different things going on. I mean, you had COVID, obviously – crazy offseason, um, little to no camp, and then just craziness in the season. But then you also had the stuff with Mike Dundee <laughs> and that, you know, conservative website T-shirt he wore in a picture. that. And Chuba was the same – Chuba was the guy who called him out. You know, Chuba was the kid who, like, called Gundy out on that. So – um, you, I don't know how that dynamic was, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to like assume anything, but I mean, you know, I think there's a lot of factors that go into last year. So I'm going to, you know, be patiently with this again. I'm going to see how it goes, but we can't let as much as we all want McCaffrey to touch the ball every single game, like every single play, because it can be a home run at any point. We cannot continue to allow Christian McCaffrey to take the beating that he takes day in and day out you have other weapons on this team we have another one now you know split some of that load divvy up some of that load and get some other people some touches just to keep McCaffrey fresh for you know the fourth quarter when you do need him to catch you know six straight passes on a final drive or something like that so yeah, yeah. and um 
he did battle uh, pretty much was battling an ankle injury all of last season. He missed a couple games due to a leg injury as well. So factor that into everything else you said, and that probably tells us a little bit about what happened last year. I mean, the Mike Gundy thing. That's just... Yeah. And and with the COVID season, it's just I don't put too much stock into anyone's last year. Um, if if they had a full a full season the year before, and and you can take a look at what they were um, last year, was just weird. Really weird. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the guys that opted out, I mean, I don't really see anybody except for Jamar. I mean, who else's stock stayed about the same? I mean, I everyone else tanked. The local guys, for sure. I mean, we talked about it. You know, Carlos Basham dropped to the, what, third? In the second, third? Yeah. Sage Direct didn't even get drafted. Jamie, Jamie Newman, Newman didn't get drafted. <laughs> last he was year. talked about as like a second-round pick, and yeah. you know, he yeah. went undrafted. So, but uh, to add on to the, to the Chuba pick, I love the pick. I think it allows for McCaffrey to see 20, 30% of his snaps out there somewhere else in the slot. It allows you to create a matchup nightmare with McCaffrey. What, what linebacker wants, wants to be, to roll down on, what outside linebacker wants to roll down on McCaffrey out there on the slot? Not a one. Um, and, and it allows for you to get McCaffrey the right 15 to 20 touches a game, as opposed okay. to trying to force feed him 25 to 30 touches a game. Okay. It keeps your, your best offensive weapon healthier and it keeps him fresher and I love the move uh I'd love to see Chuba get 10 to 15 touches of some sort every game back there in the backfield and or on the lower end of that if if you're still going to get Reggie involved and and you've got three guys you're keeping fresh and and Christian stays healthy and that's that's huge definitely and if if Joe Brady can't scheme up something for third and fourth and short now with everybody we've got on this offense and I, I don't know more fullback dives on <laughs> yeah man like come on we've got so much misdirection opportunity here let's get creative okay i agree you can't be doing that crap anymore moving on to the fifth we took davian nixon and keith taylor with our two fifth round picks davian nixon by all means uh and all accounts seems to have been a second or third round prospect that's probably where he should have went i believe we probably had a second round grade on him uh but he fell because of character concerns uh, some stuff in his in his past that Corey mentioned when we opened the show uh the guys i mean he's he's impressive that that 71 yard interception return uh that euro he had step. the little euro step <laughs> that was <laughs> i mean a, a defensive tackle doing that, just all everything in that video, just that is insane. That that big of a a human being can can do that. I, I believe three hundred and four pounds, and you ran a four eight. Somebody that, had him had him rated as their number one three tech. Uh, yeah, Emory tech. Hunt. Yeah, yeah I Emory mean, Hunt, yeah. Getting that in the fifth. This is another thing we talked about. You know, athleticism, production, upside. You know, just making sure you're confident in the character, you know, the character, you know, issues and the red flags and that may arise. Uh, very, very happy here. This is a position where we needed some depth after we released Zach Kerr. Still not sure exactly why we did that, um, but I'm glad to see that the staff went out there and, and, and tried to replace him. Uh, Keith Taylor, I really don't know too much about. He's just long, has speed, uh, is a good um, ball hawker. Um, yeah. His hands aren't great, but you know that's yeah. That's I, saw, I, I saw that. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> that was bad. I, yeah, that that the ball that just tipped around and off his leg and into, into yeah, the receiver's yeah, hands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and so uh, I think he's got good instincts of breaking to the ball. I just think he's got got to work on 
on coming down with those more often and and breaking those up better. Um, it's cornerback depth. Yeah, it, it we've got to have somebody that slides into nickel. So so you're just adding one more, um, one more person to the mix there. Uh, I've I've seen some reports of of different possibilities of, of guys being at nickel, but you're just throwing one more name in the hat of, of somebody who can be the nickel corner there. And then, I mean, before we move on from, from, from Davian, because I did want to say um, one thing that I've heard, read, and then watched is that I really like about the kid is this is a pass rushing three technique. Okay. This isn't your space eater defensive lineman. He's a pass rushing three technique. That is his specialty is pass rushing. Um, he needs to get stronger in the run game. But I love that for a young kid, bring him in on third and long, bring him in on, you know, passing situations and just say, man, go get the QB. And I think while you develop your 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 propensity in the run game, that is an ideal situation for a kid, especially on our defense, to, to be able just to come in on pass rushing situations um, while you develop and become a more round, well-rounded three technique. Um, I love – pass rushing three techniques. That is such a big deal in the NFL to create pressure from the three technique up the middle. But, and then Keith Taylor, like you guys said, I heard Rule rule called him a true press corner. So again, common thing. Yep. We want to be able to run cover one. We want to be able to run man, not always being zone. And that's what Matt Rule called him. Um, Development again, you know, this kid's not going to come in day one and take anybody's job, probably. But you know, look for him to to play special teams and stuff like that while he develops. And again, like you said, Wes, I mean, we saw it. How many times have we seen it? We starter goes down, we're left with scraps kicking around, you know, things out there. So you know, Troy Pride shouldn't have been starting or playing as much as he was last year, but. You know, injuries force players to step up. So, yeah, you, you never have too you, many corners. Yeah, you hope that that that, that they learn from that uh, and grow as a player that helps speed up the process. You know, adjusting to the game. Um, round six, we went all SEC here. Deontay Brown, Corey. I'll let you talk a little about him. Uh, Shai Smith, the receiver out of South Carolina, who probably should have went before the six rounds by all accounts and then the viral video that's going uh, around this week of Thomas Fletcher and his draft call uh, which I thought was pretty great um and seen a, a long snapper drafted in the sixth round I'm sure he was not the it was a run on him right there yeah, yeah. <laughs> Washington <laughs> took their kid right after Marty yeah. said, I don't know what mean. yeah Marty said I'm getting on this they're on to something down there but uh no, uh, I know Deontay Brown, huge human being. If you looked up, was it Billy Bob got his own area code? Man, yeah. <laughs> that that was the pick that I most enjoyed. His highlights going around, just watching him obliterate people. I, Throwing I, I, grown ass men around like that, like it ain't nothing. Yeah, he's six three, three hundred and forty four pounds. Um, guard. He's he's a guard in every sense of the word. Being a guard, nasty bulldozer just sticking his head in there and clearing a path. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to – you know, he, I, he, he, this is where we broke the trend of those high athletic upside guys. He doesn't have the highest RAS score. But having said that, for a man who's 344 pounds, he has extremely good feet, okay? His feet don't stop moving. Um, his feet are always in the right position. 
Um, he did not allow a single sack in his career at Alabama, um, facing what he faced um, week in and week out. And guess what his best tape was uh, against Derrick Brown last year versus Auburn. Um, Derrick Brown struggled, struggled versus Deontay Brown uh, in, in that Auburn game last year. I pulled that up um, on a – I saw the thought mentioned on Twitter. I pulled that up and I watched the, the highlights from that game. And yeah, Derek Brown didn't do much against Deontay Brown. So, um, and we saw what Derek Brown did last year. You know, he had a, had a, had a really solid season. So um, I would look for Deontay Brown to probably not start training camp as the starter, but I don't think it's going to take very long for Deontay Brown to, 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 you know, supplement or supersede, whichever guard they decide to put him at, whether it be Johnny Miller or, or Pat Elfline. The one caveat to Deontay Brown, okay, and this is what I've heard scouts talk about all week um, and even before the draft, is his weight, okay? He's 344 pounds. He's a big, big dude. And they said he came to Alabama, and at times Alabama got to 360-plus pounds, okay? That's too much. You, you cannot weigh that much and play professional football, okay? And Alabama, this is, you know, Alabama is not like some scrub team. They've got nutritionists on staff. They've got cafeteria that's open 24 hours a day. They've got people who are supposed to monitor these things. So if he couldn't keep it down at Alabama, I am concerned about, you know, now you're getting paid. You're on your own. It's up to you. Can you keep your weight down? And I think if he can answer that question, if he can keep his weight at a reasonable level, um, then, hey, kid's going to be special. And, you know, I think me me and Billy Marshall, one of my favorite Twitter follows, if you don't follow Billy Marshall on Twitter and you're a Panther fan, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but follow Billy Marshall on Twitter. He echoed some of the same sentiments about that. We, we both love the pick, but that was the first thing I thought about with the pick was the weight. Look. Yep. And and the the one the the funny note that I have written down about him is just a pancake block waiting to happen. The every every highlight that there is of is of him that I that I was seeing is he's pull he, he'll pull out and just absolutely obliterate somebody. So it, it's for somebody his as big as he is to be able to pull yeah as quick and as effectively as he did in in the tape that I watched. I, I was I was impressed by that. I mean, 350. We'll, we'll just round up to 350 there. Just just pulling from left guard, coming around and destroying an athletic defensive end. That I mean, that's impressive at that weight. Yeah, having athletes on the offensive line is nice. Nice to have again. Not only that, but competition. Competition is be nice to have. Yeah, I'm a member of this O line from from the past year or two. Uh, Got to know your job's not safe. If your draft pick in the last two years, Greg Little, your job's not safe. Your roster spot's not safe. Yeah, looking at the depth chart everywhere except center, it's three deep, and I, I love that. Absolutely. And and uh, I think you mentioned that that even David Moore had some some possible center experience. So even there, you probably can go three deep at center with Elflon and Moore. Man, I'd be happy if David Moore pans out and put him and Deontay out there with the way that they play, how they're physical and ferocious. Man. Mean. That's 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 two mean guards right there. Yeah. Well, he gave Boogie Basham all he could. I mean, he just ate his lunch 
mm-hmm. in the senior bowl one-on-ones, and he let him know about it. And I love the attitude on the offensive line, man. Nasty. I'm going to punch you in the mouth all day long, and then I'm going to let you know about it. That's what – I want five guys just like that. Shai Smith, you can probably um, expect him to come in and, and be more of a special teams guy right away, uh, contribute in punt returns, kick returns. Farrah Cooper's an unrestricted free agent. Um, doesn't look like he'll be back. So that position is going to be up and going to be needed. And he, he's got speed. He's he's crafty. I like his moves. This is a guy who can eventually maybe get some, some time on the field in wide receiver sets You know, when that position stops being as deep for us. Uh, but I think looking for him probably just to have safe expectations is for him to come in and, and be a kick returner or punt returner, um, at least in my mind. Yep. Yeah, I agree completely. And, I mean, he may get a chance at some slot snaps. Uh, a guy that uh, potential for if, if they want to put the jet in the offense, definitely some potential there for for that type of situation for him. And none of us obviously can talk about long snappers and what our thoughts on that. But no. the, but the phone call <laughs> at least that video. When I chill out, brother. When I saw when I saw uh, Ellis tweet that we were taking a a special teamer, I was like, oh, let's go. Jose. I was so excited. I was oh, like, kicker. I, I was like, Jose, kicker. let's go. No more Joey Sly. And then it was a long snapper. I was like, why? We just, I mean, JJ just resigned, but. Um, I saw somebody make a, a, a great point. It's it's when you've got a long snapper good enough for 15 years or however long JJ's been here to make you prioritize long snapper on your team. Like that's yeah. like that's a that's something we may not have to worry about again for another 15 years. And it's an right. important position exactly. that no one thinks about. And that's what I texted, you know, that's what I said, you know, and I was like, well, yeah, I was like, long snapper, really? But then I thought, okay, well, I guess we don't have to worry about that now for the next. 15 years so I, I understand it I guess so um, yeah and Jansen's money's not guaranteed so they can cut him and, and walk away I mean I wouldn't want to do that necessarily the guy's been with us since John Fox here and he's been one of the best ones in the league but use a draft pick on a long snapper yeah the current yeah. long snapper is getting cut and you know? I did I did see that all the analysts said that Fletcher will be the best long snapper in the NFL day one so that that is that is what I saw. That, I mean, that's I guess that's why you take the pick on him because it sounded like in that call that we were already kind of on him about being an undrafted free agent <laughs> signing, um, and he was still mulling it over of of, of his his signing option. So rule said, yeah, I'm just going to take that flash. option out of your hand. I'm gonna, I'm going to take that option out of your hands, and I'm just going to take you. Yeah, I think that might be some of the Tommy Stevens crap from last year, just coming back, just learning from the process and learning how things work. Yeah. And I mean, somebody like David Moore may have been a guy that you take at that pick instead. And and you take your chance on on signing Fletcher as an undrafted free agent. But instead, you get you get Fletcher, you wait around and David Moore still on the board and you go get him to be your undrafted free agent. So the gamble definitely paid off there. Yeah, it helps when you can offer some guaranteed money to the guys, too, because, you know, that makes things easier, you know, when it comes to, you know, deciding which team to sign with and opportunities. So I think we'll look back on this draft, too, and be extremely thankful that we were the coaching staff chosen to coach the Senior Bowl. Because we've we, got so many players from that, right? Yeah, right. And it's like in this year of no combine – no one-on-one like workouts or anything like that. That was huge. 
to have that time with these prospects on the field, coaching them, seeing up close firsthand how they work in and around a team environment. I think it's going to be invaluable going forward that this coaching staff was able to be there at in Mobile at the Senior Bowl coaching these kids. I think we took five guys total that were, or excuse me, five guys either drafted or signed afterwards that were at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. Huge advantage of doing that. Yeah, and, and it, it gave us a, a combine look when we didn't have a combine. So it allowed you to see who are the guys that you don't want, who are the guys that you do want. Uh, and it gave them that hands-on experience that you talked about is valuable next year in next year's draft, but it, it gave it to them this year. Right. Agreed. We rounded it out with Phil Hoskins out of Kentucky defensive tackle. Uh, I have not watched any film on him. I'll be honest. There's you, your, you there's your, there's your, he's your space eater. Yeah. I mean, he's just, his, his nickname is snack. Yeah. If, if that gives a, you any. Just D line depth, um, <laughs> you know, that you hope pans out and becomes something, something more, but he's a big dude who just going to chew up, chew up space in the middle. I mean, that's, from what I've the little bit I've watched about him, a little bit I've read about him, that that's what he is. So, yeah, just a big space eater. I think coming out of this draft now, I am more excited about the defense this upcoming yeah. season than I am the uh, than yeah, I am. Yeah, there's the there's really only one hole on the defense that, and and we talked about it leading up to the possibility of of taking another safety, but that's it. That second safety spot. Well, I do. I am like. Not obviously not this year in this year's draft, but I, I do want next year. I think one of my focuses next year is going to be the return of a true blue middle linebacker. You know, I'm excited about Perryman. Um, I want to see what he can do with a full season, but um, if it doesn't work out to be anything more than solid rotational player, then you know, I think safety, like you mentioned, but you know. The classic Panthers defense needs a freaking badass at middle linebacker. So I hear Luke Keekley's now looking for a job again. (laughs) I don't, man. I think that dude probably just wants to go fishing and just be like left alone. That's what he's gonna go do. I think he's he's just gonna go live in the woods. Dark dark horse thing that that I would really really hate, but it it really could happen. Is he's gonna go work for Ron? Don't say that. Don't even put that out into the ether. Like I, I'll be. I, so I re- I'll be really upset if it happens, but I, I, I saw it on a, on my timeline, and I'm like, now that I've seen it, it, it makes a lot of sense, and I don't want to. I want to unsee it. Yeah. Well, one bit of news that came out that I'm super excited about is we are now interviewing Dan Morgan as assistant GM slash like director of player personnel. So, um, that's look exciting. What, look what happens when you don't drag your feet. You got a GM right. in here who wants to act. They're on the same page with the coach. Now you don't have two different timelines. You don't have Marty trying to save his job, and you don't have Rule trying to right. compete. And Dan Morgan worked with Scott Fitter in Seattle. Oh, man. Only how that goes. But, I mean, from all reports, Dan Morgan is, uh, is a rising star in the NFL front offices uh, from Seattle and, and in, with his time in Buffalo. Um, apparently he's been – kicking ass at talent evaluations. And, and so that's exciting, man. I mean, I, I think I've waited so long for this front office to take shape and be what it's going to be, Tepper's vision, and I think you're starting to see it. I mean, this is it's exciting times, Panthers fans. It's exciting times. 
Do we want to mention the rest of the undrafted free, agent, free agents that we brought in besides yeah, David Moore? Yeah, go ahead and say their names. All right, so we got Patty Fisher, Northwestern linebacker. Did not watch a single bit of tape on him, but that that's a name to to watch he out for. Charted as a good tackler, I think. Um, Oscar D. I'm not even going to try and say that last name. The punter out of Washington State. Bring hey, just bring in some competition for yeah. For the, 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 we needed a punter bad. Y'all are going to have to say <laughs> off. Well, Joseph Charlton, man, you know I've been backing you up on here so did you catch his ball out there in, in training camp last year <laughs> Man, the, one, he, the one that went dead sideways yeah but the he one did, that was out his wife's house but he did well in yeah in the season this kid i did i did hear today on the radio that this kid that we we signed had like the 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 third highest net yards in the ncaa like just over 47 yards of net a punt which i mean that's that's big i mean that's, yeah that's good that's, that's pretty good especially when you're dealing with uh college coverage and 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 that's so that that's definitely was not bad so, was so sad to see our boy jose sign with the freaking bucks yeah that one hurt because I, I, I was just hoping we I, I just i was hoping we wouldn't see slide back out there next year i really really did not want that but i had completely forgotten that we brought in the kid from oklahoma state Amendola. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't. I forgot, I forgot about that. Um, so then we also signed Mason Stokey out of Wisconsin, a fullback. So that's some competition at, or I guess we, we'll have to decide if we want to carry a fullback and an H back or, or what we're going to do there. Spencer Brown, running back out of UAB, put up some good numbers. And then Peyton Ramsey quarterback out of Northwestern, so he'll probably be just a practice squad candidate, scout team kind of guy, if I had to take a guess. Like Patrick Matt. Ramsey's kid, by chance? <laughs> I have no clue. Uh, I didn't – I didn't. Oh, David Moore's the only one I did any sort of – I know anything about on the on, on the Rightfully so, yeah. Well, well, the word is that, you know, Tommy Stevens is going to be, you know, the next Taysom Hill for us, so. Hey, I don't care what, what Tommy is. Tommy is a saint in my eyes, not literally anymore – but because he cost them, he made them spend a draft pick. Because it's anything, it's always fuck the Saints. Any chance we can get to just for them to make an ass out of themselves, it's a good day. That whole situation was messed up. It's Sean Payton. It's the Saints. Yeah. Anybody surprised about anything they do anymore? By the way, Hayden Hurst didn't get his option picked up by Atlanta, so he'll be a free agent next year. By the way, speaking of our – Nemesis is down there in New Orleans. They had a terrible weekend, in my opinion. Well, their first round, not just we, the, the the first round pick, I, I think left everyone like who? Was he reach. wasn't. He was not a first round grade at all. That on anyone's board, right? Some I mean, we had him as a fourth. Yeah, and you you have Davenport, that dude. Right. I I another dude that like man. I, I would probably get my ass whooped, but if I ever saw him public, I would just punch Cam Jordan square in the friggin' neck. Um, but and then you you take this kid that's not even the best edge rusher in the class. I I I don't know, man. I I don't know okay. what they were doing. And then Ian Book, ooh, yeah. piece of future. I really oh. do. Ian Book was trash in college. <laughs> 
He's gonna be even worse in the feds. But it's the Saints, so fuck everybody. They fucking draft seems like turns out to be. Nah, the, the magic's gonna run out. The kick in the salary cap can down the down down a few more years. It's, it's gonna eventually hit them, and they're gonna be stuck so far in this hole that they're just they're gonna be terrible. And I cannot wait for it. I can't. I can't wait to see that happen. I hate it for James, though. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I feel bad for James for having to be the one that it ends up falling down on, but it's going to be a beautiful sight. I mean, they'll be fine this year, and James will get another deal somewhere else, probably. James should have been in Carolina, but that's either here or there. Yeah. Could have signed him for pennies on the dollar for a million dollars. Decided to give Teddy B $30 million. Thirty-three out there. To be exact. We're still paying him. Uh, we're paying him less than we were supposed to. He's Denver's problem now. Somebody tell me again how the Sam Darnold uh, deal was bad. Somebody please tell me that because we've that 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 trade's paid off now. Yep. The only thing the only thing Sam cost us was the second next year. That's it. Everything else we've gotten back in assets. And like I said, when you look at the 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 value charts on that fourth round next year from Houston that we've got, which by all accounts should probably be a top three pick in the fourth round so technically a third round you look at the value charts that's actually valued at a second round value this year so there you go paid in full but y'all can scream about how we traded down and didn't draft your favorite prospect i mean i'm i've gotten so burnt out on looking at some I'm not going to talk shit about if you love the Panthers I love you you're great but stop complaining so much man yeah the sky's always falling no matter what happens lord have mercy yeah I mean just I loved it man loved it you drafted Jalen Ramsey without the zestiness be happy be happy Oh God! Uh, is, that, is that what we want to call it? Zestiness. That's, uh, what, that's what I'll put. Jalen's a character. Jalen's good. Yeah, Jalen's just a fool. I'll, I'll put it that way. Well, I mean, I love Jalen Ramsey, but he is—he's—he's he's a little—he's a little spicy. <laughs> oh God! That's where we're going with it. Okay. Well, guys, want to want to wrap this up? We did it. We made it, in, we made it an entire episode without mentioning him. No, it's fine. He just ruined it. Yeah, it <laughs> At this point in time, somebody's laying on the horn well, of the truck. Real quick, <laughs> you know, each of you, each of you, gave your favorite pick from the draft. Give me a second, Wes. If you know, go ahead. It's down to two in my head. That's where I'm at. I've, I've got two. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Chuba because of what it allows you to do with Christian. So it's not necessarily just Chuba himself, but what it allows you to do with that backfield and that offense and the things that you can draw up there. Uh, sec- the, the one I was – the honorable mention, the other one I really loved was Terrace just because I, I, I think that's a, a great weapon with our red zone struggles last year. Yeah, and I'm going to go Davian Nixon. Um, excited about his pass rushing upside. Um, Zach Kerr replacement. Um, allows you what we what we always have when we had nasty D lines, rotational pieces that can churn in and out, 
and you know spell the other guys i think that's so valuable on the defensive line and i'm excited for his upside and um honorable mention the tommy tremble i didn't know who you were <laughs> before the draft and now man i can't wait to see i cannot wait to go to spartanburg and watch this team on the field man i've waited too long it's been too long since i've graced that sweat box that is spartanburg and i'm excited to go back this year and and, and be at training camp. Dave Tepper decides to move uh, training camp out of Spartanburg, out of, out of Wofford. I can't wait. That That's going to be great. That new facility looks amazing. It'll be nice that that finally happens. Um, but I think the first three picks in this draft, they were all home runs. I, I was big on Christensen. I talked about him in previous episodes. I was obviously a huge advocate for JC. And then the Terrace deal, the, the draft – I mean, the dude is what the wide receiver core was missing. You bring in the guy who's six foot three and puts up the numbers that he's put up and the upsides there, but it's probably my favorite picks, probably still JC, you know, having that. Now we don't have to worry about that one side of the field. You can put somebody over there and you can shut them down and people complain because they, they didn't watch South Carolina football. And rightfully so there's nothing appealing about South Carolina football these days. Steve Spurrier's not there. You know, it's, it's, bottom of the barrel in the SEC, you know, unfortunately. But having somebody who can come in and, and you know, produce against those receivers that we now have to face three, you know, two, two times a year, but they're those stretches in the middle of the season where you're facing them, you know, six times in a row. You're, you know, you could potentially be facing Godwin Evans, Thomas, uh, Julio Ridley, now Pitts. I mean, shit, man, you, we, we had to address it. We had to go get the guy. This is the guy. I'm excited about this. Everybody should be excited about this. Go buy a J.C. Horn jersey. Um, man, you're going to love the kid. Steve Spurrier mentioned Jadavian's doing fine. <laughs> Jadavian's fine. He's going to be fine. Steve Spurrier. That's what you quit asking. Yeah, he's on his own. Hey, back there, I'm playing on, on his cell phone <laughs> or something the kids are doing. Steve Spurrier is great for a quick sound bite. I believe that was for like the North Carolina game a few years ago. God. Oh, well, boys, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Uh, enjoyed the draft. We haven't worked out a date. We haven't worked out a time yet, um, but we do have confirmation. Uh, we are going to have a pretty cool guest on the show in the coming weeks. So, Stay tuned for that. Um, I'm not going to tell you who it is yet, but um, that's going to be big. I'm excited to talk to him, and uh, yeah, that's all we'll say. And if you guys have any any particular guests you want us to try and and reach out to to get on the show, feel free to 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 shoot us over some some ideas. And or if you can if if you know of somebody that 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 is a would be a great guest on the show, and 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 know they would do it, right. send them over. Yeah, Absolutely. we're getting into the and dog days of the offseason now, so we're going to be feeling yeah, a bit more. That's what I was just about on. to say, yeah. Yeah, man, this is that long dead period coming up, guys. So any topics you want us to talk about, um, filler topics or anything like that, we know you guys are out there. We see the listeners every week. Um, don't be afraid to interact with us. Don't be afraid to reach out to us. I mean, we, we love it. We want the feedback. And um, we're going to have a lot of time in July <laughs> to, 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 to just fill. So – um, again, topics or anything, let us know, man. Questions, whatever. Even if it doesn't have to do with football, you know, we'll talk. That's right. But enjoyed it, guys. So, um, yeah, 
if you guys got any thoughts about the draft, feel free to tweet them at us, email us, whatever we can do, interact with us. Happy to hear, happy to give feedback. Um, but that does it for this week's episode. We'll be back next week. Not sure if that'll be the guest episode or be the one the following week. Uh, wherever schedules may work, we'll figure it out. But we will be back um, possibly Saturday this week for an wow. episode. So we'll see how things shake out. If not, it'll be next week. So thanks to you guys for uh, listening as always. And uh, we'll see you. Later.